You are listening to the Tap In to College Golf podcast. This is episode one, and I'm your host, Brandy Jackson. Obviously, since this is episode one, I want to take a chance to introduce myself and hope that many of you are going to stick around for many more podcasts to come because I have lots and lots of exciting things to to share with you. College coach interviews, um, player interviews, talk a little bit about recruiting, but I really want to keep this fun and exciting and, and just share some insight that you as players and you know, parents and even maybe swing coaches don't necessarily always get to hear about. Um, just a quick little bit about my background. I was a, pl- a college athlete, played at Furman University, and then I went on to play professionally for about eight years on both the LPGA Tour and the, what's the Symmetra Tour now? Finished up in 2010, was kind of my last full season of playing after I lost LPGA status from a 2009 season. Awesome, awesome experience playing out there and playing on tour. Just loved it. Um, Wish I could still be out there a lot of times, but uh, this opportunity to get into college recruiting kind of fell into my lap a little bit and worked with a big company for about a year and a half and then started Brandy Jackson Golf eight years ago, this exact same week that I'm launching this podcast. Um, So been, you know, doing this on my own for eight years and been able to really focus on the girls golf side of things for the last few years. Um, Still do some things with the boys, but um, really focus in on those full-time things with the girls and the women's college coaches. Plan to have interviews on both the men's and the women's side of things. Might be a little biased on the women's golf, um, just because that, like I said, day in and day out, that is really kind of where my time is spent. Um, but just excited for this opportunity. I, I love what I get to do with with working with the girls and helping them, you know, just navigate this process and just figure things out both on and off the golf course and in and out of recruiting and just life. And it can be such a stressful time and such a time for growth and development. Um, so to be able to just give some advice and some insight as these, you know, young, um, young athletes are going through all that has just been, uh, just been such a great experience. So excited to have this podcast and to share even with the college coaches and, and the players and, you know, just some, some other different guests that I plan to have throughout this experience. So I am excited to have you join me for Tap Into College Golf and looking forward to all that is going to be in store. You're listening to the Tap Into College Golf podcast, where we provide an inside look at the world of college golf. College recruiting consultant Brandy Jackson shares her knowledge of college recruiting, plus interviews with some of the most accomplished coaches and players in college golf. If you are ready to tap into the best tips, stories, and insight, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Brandy Jackson. Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. Excited to have you listening in, um, whether you're a junior golfer, a parent, an instructor, um, whoever's out there listening in, excited to bring you some tips and stories and, and insight all about college golf and college recruiting. And really excited for my guest this week. We have the women's head coach at Wake Forest University, Miss Kim Llewellyn, joining us today. Kim, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Brandy. Thank you for having me on. Well, I am excited to have you on here. I know that we have um, kind of known each other over the years and run into each other at tournaments mm-hmm. and, and chat and just excited to pick your brain a little bit about, you know, college golf and what it's like to to be a college golf coach and, the, and talk a little bit about season so far and what y'all have coming up. And, and like I said, just some of the ins and outs about being a college coach and, and seeing these players and what they go through and, and share some, some knowledge and some insight. 
If that I would good. love that. I would love that. Oh yeah. All right. Wonderful. Yeah. Anytime I can talk about uh, college golf, women's golf, Wake Forest golf. I love it. Well, we're excited to listen to it. And I know, speaking of that, I know um, y'all have had a really busy spring between some individual things going on and um, with Jennifer Cupcho just, um, you know, down at the Masters at the um, the women's amateur down there. And then you also won uh, just recently, y'all finished the season out with a couple of wins and then just won ACC. So just tell me a little bit about how these last few weeks have been for y'all as a team and, and as a coach and some of the individual stuff. Um, quite an exciting few weeks. Uh, um, I'll tell you what, right. We, we got back this spring and, and I mean, it actually started, uh, you know, last December with, with Jennifer Cupshow getting through qualifying school, um, or Q series as they call it now. And, and so getting through that and then, you know, she was one of two of the, the young ladies, um, that were college golfers to defer their uh, eligibility. And so, um, that was exciting for her and then for her to come back, um, you know, it just says a lot about college golf, about her um, commitment to college golf. And um, so I just thrilled about that. So, but it started then and um, we got back. Our first event was in um, out at Palace Verdes. It played well. Um, you could just see them getting a little bit better and better, Brandy. It was really fun to watch. And, and so. um, then our, yeah, our, our next event, um, we went to the D Domin Dominican Republic and uh, played phenomenal there, um, breaking a lot of records, shooting a lot under par. And we had uh, Jennifer Cupcho winning winning that event, and then straight down to Hilton Head again, um, having a good performance there at second. Um, and then the Bryan Park with Jennifer Cupcho um, and Amelia winning. Um, and I know you know Amelia really well from from junior golf, and um, since she's from the area here. But yes. um, but yeah, and then both of them winning the the Bryan. Um, and then right after that, and of course, we've got to talk about Augusta National because that was just a, yeah, a pioneer moment for women's golf, right? Did you watch it? I did. I was on the road for some of it, but I recorded it and came back and watched as much as I could because that was just too exciting to to miss and to see that. And and it just, you couldn't have asked for a better finish. And, and those two girls and just how they did, that was such a, I know there was a little controversy on what it took away from with the, the A&A. And I know there's a little bit of that, but you, I don't think you could have asked for a better representation of college women's golf for what they did and what that was. That was just so cool to watch. Yeah, and, you know, we were um, down there in person, which was wonderful. Now, Brandy, did you – see, I never watched it on TV. and never saw the coverage, but I heard that it was great TV. What was your opinion about it? It was, yes. Like I said, I didn't I didn't get to see it all live because I was driving back from uh, from a PKB event, I believe it was. Um, but, but, yes, it was. Huh? You know, it's kind of like the difference of being there at Augusta for the Masters and getting to watch it on TV because you get to – I think you get to experience I think you actually get to experience a little bit more when you see it on TV so I think seeing right. emotions and getting to see you know you know just to see it and see it kind of up close it it was it was, was right. great TV and just great you know just the way they kind of were back and forth and a little bit of the ups and downs yeah. just um they did they displayed it very well I thought that's neat that's neat yeah so you know we were down there um in person as a team actually uh to watch Jennifer that last round and and um to, to watch those two play against each other. And then even the, 
you know, Jen having the migraine, I had never seen her ever bend down and hold her head. And she's bending down, holding her head um, on the ninth tee box. And I'm thinking, I've never seen this. Is she okay? You know, her parents are saying she's got a migraine. You know, we need to try to figure out something. But, but just that particular piece. And then um, for her, once that migraine passed, just to be able to turn it up like she did. And, and um, for her and Maria, who's she's Maria is just wonderful for them to have that sportsmanship and that camaraderie with one another throughout that event. It was so exciting to watch. I mean, you know, playing golf like you did and um, the amount of motions that go through just 18 yes. holes of golf. So I, you could see all of that happening, you know, first, um, you know, where Jen gets down and has the migraine, and then all of a sudden it turns around and then she gets an eagle and momentum changes and then there's a birdie going. And then, I mean, yeah. just the amount of emotions that went through those, the, that 18 holes, I think just, you know, shows to all junior golfers and golfers alike that, that it's a lot of time out there and a lot of different motions go on and um, the good and the bad and, um, you know, just to handle that adversity and, and to do what Jen did was very exciting for, for us and the team. I, yeah, I bet. So I unfortunately suffer from migraines as well. So when I heard that I couldn't, I can't even imagine, you know, people talk about if you've never had one, you really don't understand. And my mom and I unfortunately have them and it, it is, I cannot imagine. Cause you're, I, I mean, just, I know what those feel like and to have to be under that scrutiny at that point of, of pressure and emotion in your head, just feeling the way it does. I, I commend her for that because I could not imagine. And it is true that once they're gone though, it is just, this like, just this ray of like sunshine. Um, but during that time, right, right. it is the most miserable, just, you know, hour, two hours, you know, however long you, you experience them. So I can't imagine. So that's that, you know, that's just awesome. Yeah. That he, you know, could even just deal with that. Um, you, you know, people just think, Oh, it's just right. a headache. He'd be fine. But it is, it is so not that. So when oh, I read that after the fact, yeah. I thought that was just awesome for her. And then I watched. Yeah, it was. It was uh, you watched. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Just saw some of their the when they were up in New York and saw some of that, which was really cool too. Yeah. The um, the late so, show and all that. Oh, it was so neat, Brandy. So I I happened to be um, down there just hanging out, watching the chip and putt the next day, and everybody else had gone, and Jen was there wrapping up some of the the media stuff she was needing to do. And she got the uh, invite to go to the Today Show and the Fallon Show. And she goes, coach, you want to go? And I was like, yes, I want to go. Yes. I want to go. <laughs> of, course. of course. Yeah. And, and so um, I was fortunate to, to, to go there with her and I had never been to the city. So she was also showing me around awesome. um, Central Park and, you know, Times Square. So um, it was a, it was just a, an experience for her to, to, to win that and the way that they did with Maria and, the camaraderie they had and for her to be the first woman ever to hold the trophy up at Augusta National is just a pioneer moment okay. it was a yeah. blast to be with and then at then you know she's here for a week and she's having tons of press going on and um you know you really get a feel for Brandy what um you know winning a major would do to to a professional athlete because there was four days that there wasn't a minute that was herself. I mean, that for, was for her. I mean, everything was the media, her time was, um, none of it was, uh, that she could control. I mean, she had so much that she needed to do for those three days after that, when she got back. And so, um, once that, you know, we finally said, we've got to put a stop to it. You know, we need to prepare for ACCs. You need to prepare. We need to cup. Right. Yeah. So, um, so it was, um, interesting that, 
thinking from a professional level, if somebody wins a major, they've really got to, they, they need to do this to help promote their sport because they are entertainers. But, but after that, you know, they, their job is to get back on the course and to, to perform and make money that way. So yeah. um, it was interesting. She did an awesome job balancing it. Um, we went to ACCs and um, the, the team won. Um, I, I would say that Jen didn't have her A game, but, but her C game is pretty darn good. So, yeah. <laughs> so it kept us, you know, in it very well. But, but um, Amelia, you know, Malachio, she just really, you know, picked up the, the um, goodness and picked up the baton and rolled with it and, and won that event. Um, and then um, Swing, who is um, our junior, she finished second. So uh, we had uh, our other young ladies were really, really um, took the baton and rolled with it. And then uh, we won the ACC championship. So that was um, a wonderful time for, for our program. Yeah, I bet so. I know that was, um, so you said you, and on top of all that, you know, she still got to finish school and, and do some of those things. So that, you know, when you look at some of the professional side. Oh, yeah. You got to throw that element in that they, you know, at least got to show up for class some and get their, you know, get their elements turned in and all that too. So you throw that element in and especially as it's getting closer to the end of the year, I know a lot of them have exams and all that stuff. So to try to kind of balance all that, um, it just adds a whole other element to the equation, but that, that's so exciting. I said, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch and such a good, you know, good representation, you know, as much as I work with the, the young girls and, and just want to get them excited that to see that was such a, I think such a cool experience for so many girls out there who are playing and, and have right. goals to do something to see that there's something like that out there for them um, to play in, you know, especially from an amateur perspective, because I think you see a lot that maybe don't have plans to play professionally, um, but that gives them maybe a little bit of that avenue if they were still good enough amateur to be able to play in something like that as well. Right. And I think it's a, a great goal for um, young ladies to, to strive to play in the, the event itself. You felt like when you were down there that you were you were playing the Masters. Um, I mean, that, that feeling that was around you, the amount of spectators that were there, the um, the the way that the um, Augusta folks just um, made the amateurs feel uh, the whole experience would be something that if anyone has an opportunity to do, they definitely need to do that. Yeah, I followed. She's actually one of your former players, Anna Redding, and, and was talking to her a little bit through yeah. that. Saw some of her highlights and uh, her Insta stories through that. And then Alice Chen, who was at Furman, we had had lunch together a couple weeks before that. And we're following both of theirs and what they were doing. And you could just tell they just soaked it all up and, and just loved every minute mm -hmm. of it and, and what they were doing. So you could tell they really did treat them, you know, treat them like royalty, it looked like. It was, yeah, it was, and I had, I had never been, so I had never um, actually walked on a, a, the Augusta grass. I'd never had a pimento cheese or an egg salad sandwich, so I, I had a blast. I'm not going to lie. Too, I, think yes. I was like a kid in a candy store watching all that, and then to watch Jen win um, was really just a, just a blast for anyone that loved golf. Yes, I bet so. I, I bet so. Well, just, you know, in talking about that, tell me, I mean, I know, you know, you're kind of, um, you know, you play there at UNC. I actually noticed that speaking of ACCs, you've got regionals come up. And then when I was doing a little bit of extra homework, I realized that you and I both won NCAA East regionals back in our college golf days. Um, so thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> up next week. Yes. Um, thought that was a pretty good little um, fun note. I know you've got regionals coming up. 
Um, I said, I know you started your playing, you know, career there at, um, at Chapel Hill and then went through, um, you know, Citadel for a year and at ECU, and then you spent 11 years at UVA. Now I've been at Wake Forest. What really kind of led you into, and I know you played a little bit, um, freshly before all that, what led you into wanting to be a college coach? Was there, you know, a moment of doing that? Did it just kind of happen and and become a passion? What kind of led you into doing that? Um, to be honest, I I fell into it. Um, I I was living in Charleston and my kids were very young. They were two and three and I was wanting to get back into the golf industry. Um, I had been out of it since my first child was born. And so I was living in Charleston and I said, you know, I want to get back in the golf industry. I had been a teaching professional prior to, um, um, after playing. So I went around, talked to some golf courses that, Hey, if you're interested, here's what, what my thoughts were. Then I was happened to be sitting at a professional tennis match at, at Daniel Island. And I saw Les Robinson, um, who I knew he was the AD at NC state at um, one point, And I was from Raleigh. Um, and so, uh, he was there and he was the athletic director at the Citadel. So I walked right up to him and I said, you know, I'm in, I live in this area. If you have any, uh, jobs opening in the, um, in the golf department, I would sure like it. And he goes, Kim, I don't have anything right now, but let me take your number. And then sure enough, two weeks later, uh, there was an opening for the men's and women's, uh, coaching job at the Citadel. And okay. so I was, so that was my first post at the Citadel coaching the men and the women absolutely fell in love with it then Brandy. And, and, um, it was, uh, at that particular level, you're actually developing players that are very high handicappers and, um, trying to get them to, to shoot quite a bit lower. And, and, um, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the camaraderie of, of the young ladies and the, you know, like-minded folks and, um, with goals. And so, that's where I really fell in love with it. And then from there, I uh, went to East Carolina. Kevin Williams, like you said, a really good friend of mine. Um, at that time, he was out of coaching and recommended me for that position. Went there, um, uh, had some success there. And then uh, Virginia opened up. And that was when Jan, Jan Mann had actually retired from coaching. She went back into coaching. but um, And so she had recommended me for that position. And I was there 11 years, loved uh, every minute of that. And then when Wake Forest opened up, um, Diane Daly, another close friend of mine, and um, I had some discussions with her, and she said, would you be interested? And then, um, you know, here I am. This this brought me closer to home. My mother lives in the area. My in-laws live in the area. So it actually brought me closer to home, and um, what a wonderful place to be. So that's sort of how I got into coaching. You know, as you know, and that's why you do what you do, but, um, you know, you enjoy being with these student athletes and helping them reach their goals, whether they're uh, academically, athletically, um, you know, helping them out socially and and just being there for them um, to help as a resource to reach their goals. And, and um, you know, golf brings a lot of different people together and um, and you get to know a lot of different people um and allowing them all to work together for a common goal. I mean, it's just uh, a great environment to be in. And so I think, uh, you know, that's why I, I love what I do. And as you probably the same. 
Yes. And I kind of had the same thing just in terms of it kind of falling into your lap. You know, it was not something with what I do with the the consulting and the recruiting and, you know, considered coaching and, and love aspects of that. But I really enjoy what I get to do, but kind of the same thing, you know, where it does, it kind of, kind of falls into your lap. And then it's crazy how all of a sudden you realize it's kind of what you were meant to do without really thinking, especially if you were like me, where it was golf and playing golf. And that was really all you thought about for a big part of your life. And then you don't really think what else would I be doing? And, you know, then when you become such a, a passion for it and you see the, it's like you said, with being able to work with the, the, the girls and helping develop them, it's just little bitty things that you can do that you see make a difference. It just is such a, uh, such a fun experience. So I'm sure, you know, I know for me, the one thing that I miss is I don't get to see my players very often. I've got them all over the country and, you know, we get to connect phone, email, but I just don't get to develop that relationship with them all. So that's one thing I'm sure you probably love, um, that experience. I wish I had a little bit more of just cause I feel like, um, you know, there is so much to that and so much you can get from that, which, you know, I guess would be, you know, one of my other kind of questions with that is, you know, how do you feel like you're able to impact them? You know, obviously we know on the golf course, but just in terms of their life in general and, you know, as their coach, what do you feel like you're able to kind of make a difference and make an impact on them as they come through and spend four, you know, maybe five years sometimes with you? And, you know, I think, and you know, this is as a college athlete, I think, the coaching part of it, um, the golf part of it's probably goodness, 10%, to be honest, you know, and, and um, the other 90% um, is hey, these young ladies are becoming adults while they're here in college. I mean, they're, they're 18 to 22. A lot of them um, have never been away from home for that, that long of a period of time. A lot of them are international and coming or, you know, overseas and to a completely different environment and they're on their own. They, they don't have a car. They don't, they don't um, even, you know, just little things like they're moving out of a dorm and they coach, you know, they don't have help doing that. Whereas a lot of times we had our parents to come up and help if you were close yes. enough, you know, so just, um, you know, the aspects of um, uh, the, um, all, the, the impact that you have on hopefully just um, helping them um, develop some, some skills through, uh, like socially, like I said, you know, you, you know how many times I've sat down with somebody whose boyfriend has broken up with them, you know, and, and, <laughs> you know, and so, yes, just trying to help them, <laughs> you know, just trying to help these young ladies navigate um, everyday uh, situations, like I said, packing or, you know, someone has a relationship and then they, that, that may, they may break up or somebody struggling as you know, with your golf game and you have those times and, you know, ha trying to help them because it's so important to them um, how to deal with that mentally, but also how to get back on track. So there's so many different aspects. And so, um, um, you know, I think as college coaches, you just hope that you can help these young ladies both reach their goals academically, um, you know, go, go away with the degree and, and, and um, if, the, if they're not playing professional, then to a degree that's going to allow them to do what they want to do and love. And then socially that they, they leave here having a great experience, making a lot of friends, a lot of connections and networking, and then uh, golf as well. I'm hoping make a lot of good memories, win some championships, hopefully, um, but walk away with a family of teammates that they'll have the rest of their life. They'll be in their weddings. They'll be um, the first person they contact when they need somebody. And so I think that as a coach is what, what you're trying to do. And, you know, this is a side note, and I've had a, a lot of young ladies go into coaching as a profession. And I think, 
it is something that you you know you had just brought up briefly but it is an avenue that that young ladies can go into um and you know it it, it does it's it's pay it pays well now versus even what it did 20 years ago and so um if you love golf and and you've got a passion for um helping develop student athletes and their goals i think it is a is something that they can go into and i've had a, a lot of young ladies um you know, Callie Nielsen, uh, Kristen Simpson, um, and I've got one young lady that's actually um, playing it. She played for me at Virginia and then went to get, go to grad school at Xavier, and she's going to end up going to sports administration. So it is an avenue as well that um, I think a lot of young ladies should look at. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be, it's, I've, I've had some, now that I've, I've been doing this for, uh, I just had eight year anniversary this past week. So I'm now seeing players who are post-college who um, had a player who was at Louisville who came to back and she wanted to consider getting into coaching. Um, so, you know, I, I get some that don't go that route, but it is definitely great that it's that opportunity to do that. You know, some don't want to go into the golf business from a, a teaching you know, head pro perspective and, and to have some avenues like that where they get to connect with those those girls and make a difference you know just like somebody did for them not just many years before that um it's a great a great avenue great you know great way to um to keep the girls in golf and, and give them something um you know while it's not always fun it's a lot of work and a lot of um ups and downs I'm sure but it's something that hopefully a lot of the girls would enjoy doing if they um you know, want to pursue that route so um, good little, exactly. little side note there for sure. Yes. Well, when in talking, you know, a little bit about, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, Jennifer Cup show and all that. What do you feel like, what are some traits that you see the girls, you know, possess that tend to, you know, really, obviously you've had some really successful players. What do you see be some things that they do so well that helps them be more successful, you know, obviously with golf and then their golf, but just, you know, just in general as well to be able to balance everything that it takes. What's some things you see, um, see those particular girls have? Um, that's, a, that's a, a lot of them have a lot of similar characteristics and then some would, um, you know, be stronger in some and then the other, but, but the, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. We've got, um, I've coached Brittany Altamari who's on the tour, Lauren Coughlin, who's on the tour, Elizabeth Zoko who's on the tour and, and then Jennifer Cupshow. And, and, you know, what uh, I would say all those young ladies possess, um, persistence. And, uh, what I mean by that, that's an umbrella of working hard and being persistent at, um, what they're trying to do, um, you know, trying to get better at their technique and their shots and their short game and the, um, but persistent and hey, looking at every aspect of their game, is my equipment set up like it needs to be? Am I preparing for each tournament like I need to be? Um, am I actually, you know, going over and looking at the golf course, you know, but, um, before I actually tee it up in the practice round? Am I figuring out a way to know a little bit more about the golf course? Am I getting my pin sheet before I play that round and actually um, thinking through how I'm going to play the round before I play? And being um, professional, um, would go under that with being persistent, um, or being professional at your sport, mentally and emotionally being solution oriented and, and, and looking at every opportunity that you're having. If you hit a bad shot, um, okay, well then I can learn from it. If it's a good shot, then I'm going to imprint that. So, 
um, just being professional and persistent in every aspect of their game to make sure that they're constantly getting 1% better each day. And I would say that's what, what the tour players see. I said the ones versus, or I would say not even tour player, my really good amateurs. You know, I was fortunate to, I'm going to say Lauren Greenleaf, who, who won the mid-AM and, um, you know, some just really, really good amateur players as well. Um, but that's what they're doing. They're constantly um, getting 1% better each day and evaluating their game. And, and if something doesn't go well, they're solution-oriented and trying to figure it out instead of just being emotional. Um, and then one other thing would just be golf IQ. And what I mean by that is I always say, you know, if there's something that I absolutely love, and whether it's photography or it's whether it's Instagram or whatever it might be, I'm going to know everything there is to know about that. I'm going to know it 100% and I'm going to um, love every aspect, not necessarily love every aspect, but know every aspect of it. And um, I would think those young ladies that are really, really good at what they do, um, they know 100% about um, their profession, um, it being golf, even the, the good amateurs. So they're going to know, you know, what what my equipment is doing, what my bounce, what bounce means and what, what it's doing, what the golf course um, setup is like and how I need to prepare for that. But they just are very, their golf IQ and their professionalism um, sets them apart, I would say, from the others who may not do that. Yeah, I, lo I love that. It And for me, it triggers the way I am now about training and, and working out and all that. I've gotten this like bug for that and have gotten that. I want to know everything about the technique with stuff and, you know, different, um, you know, uh, whether it's new grips or something with that. And I wasn't really that way as a player, which is probably what held me back. I just kind of went with the flow. I happened to be a good player. And I think there's a balance that some people can go too far with one thing. And then sometimes a little lack of that, mm -hmm. I think, can help players not think too much. But I've definitely seen that and how my mindset has changed and what I do now with competing some of these workout things and, and I'm sitting there, I watch yeah. videos, the, the guy I train with, I'm always sending him little things. I'm like, is this what I do wrong? Is this what I need to do better? And, you know, always just trying to learn, not just doing something. And I think I see that with some of the junior girls who struggle a little bit with, they play, but I feel like a lot of them just don't know the game and they don't know, you know, they just, right. they, they, they love playing, but they mm -hmm. just don't, you know, really want to learn all that. And I definitely think those are some really good things that, you know, kind of separate the two. And, and I think it's one of the things I see some of the junior girls, as opposed to maybe the boys on average, lack a little bit of just that right. knowledge and that golf IQ and wanting to figure it out, wanting to, you know, mm -hmm. to know more and learn more. Um, so I think those are some, some great, you know, Great points and, and little insight on that, which, which is a, a good question that I did not give you ahead of time to think about, but hopefully you can answer is, you know, we may have some instructors and, and I, you know, I work a lot with the different instructors and swing coaches who refer their players to me to help with recruiting um, and vice versa. And I get a lot of when I do evals with players, you know, they ask me about instruction and coaching and, you know, I'm very careful to not ever want to step on toes, but I know that in order to play at the college level, it takes a certain type of instruction and coaching for the junior girls mm -hmm. to learn some of these things. Um, and unfortunately you don't always see that with instructors. You see a lot of them just get so swing oriented or 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. I teach a little bit of short game, but what do you feel like the, you know, a junior player should look for in their instructor or if there's some instructors and, and swing coaches listening in terms of as a college coach who sees this, what can they be doing to help these girls and, and guys? I mean, this isn't probably just girls listening. I just mm-hmm. a little biased on the girls side of things. Um, right, right, right. But, you know, what can they be doing to kind of help these girls and, and just the junior golfers in general get more prepared? you know, for college golf, but just, you know, for that, that golf IQ and, and all those kinds of things. Right. Well, I think for, um, I think for a, a golf instructor, um, you know, they are having, they're making a living out of um, actually lessons and that type of thing. So, you, so they're going to be on a little bit of a, a restricted schedule. It's going to be a lot of um, okay, I have an hour here on the, the practice tee because they are, that is their livelihood. They're having yes. to probably support their children with that, right? Yes. So yes. saying that, so I, I, I understand that because I've been in that position. Um, I would say um, you know, they're going to have some players that are going to want to play at the college, college level and they're going to be elite. And so they'll probably need to treat those players and come up with a schedule um, to help that player that might be a little bit different. Uh, you as a junior golfer want to find an instructor that has a real investment in you and your golf game. You want them to be um, out there watching them play you um, if possible, at least on occasion. And I know again, because they have restricted time and they might not be able to do that. You want them to, um, you know, have a a stat program of some sort um, that they can, um, have their players fill out at tournaments so they have a better understanding of what's happening when they're competing. Uh, you want them to have an understanding of the, their golf IQ. You want them to have an understanding of cause and effect of their what their golf ball is doing so they can help each other when they go out there to play and, and the golf instructor isn't around. Uh, the most important is to find that instructor and for that, that instructor to have um, – uh, to have a really close relationship. I mean, you can imagine, and I know you know this, every every swing coach I've ever had, every putting coach I've ever had, um, I, I mean, <laughs> you have a relationship with them because you're trying to get better. You want to be able to call them on the telephone, and they want to have that invested interest in you. So I think from a, both an instructor and a player, that you're looking for somebody that's all about you that can help you reach your goals. Um, and so I would think, uh, again, just the instructor needs to be um, all about that person. And then the, uh, the junior golfer needs to take advantage of, of what that instructor can give. Yes, I, I like that. And, and it's the same thing that I love what you touched on because you understand, it, you know, the, the fact that, like you said, the, a lot of the instructors, it's an hourly thing. And, and I, I said, I get a lot of parents that come to me maybe considering changing coaches or, you know, just kind of in talking through it, I try to kind of help find out, you know, well, what are, you know, what kind of instruction are you getting? Cause I've got this player who's a freshman or sophomore says, I want to play college golf and I want to play at the highest level I can. So one of the first things is, well, what are you doing instruction wise and in practice wise? And, you know, like I said, every instructor is, you know, I said, it's kind of different and, you know, you can't, it's not too, you know, to make anything bad or negative to them. Cause like I said, they're, they're trying to support their families and, and they all have different ways they can commit time and energy, you know, into what they can and can't do. Um, but sometimes if a player, especially somebody who's kind of behind the mark, 
needs a little bit more attention or who needs a little more, you know, hand holding than, you know, they've got to try to find that avenue of somebody who really specializes in junior girls or junior golf or um, mm -hmm. who does do all those mm -hmm. things. And, you know, it's not to say that other instructor is not great at teaching, teaching the golf swing or, or helping players, but it's it definitely is a mm -hmm. certain kind of breed. I have noticed that really from a junior golf perspective are able to help develop those players um, and, and can put that little bit extra. Cause again, when you want to play at a, especially a higher level of college golf, it's, you know, it takes mm -hmm. more time and it's as much, you know, I always try to pick the brain of the player as well to find out, okay, well, is it just that you're not taking the initiative to do some of the things yourself, you know, in terms of practice mm -hmm. and what you want to be doing? Maybe you've got a great coach, but you're not taking advantage of it. So it's definitely a two-way street there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like I said, a lot of times that's what, you know, when I'm talking to the players and trying to help them, it's, it's a, a two-way street. And sometimes you get really, really lucky to have somebody that's in your area. And I know some players struggle with just not having somebody in their area. Um, and then, you know, just like you said, doing your research and your homework and mm -hmm. trying to figure out your own drills or maybe travel once or twice and go get in a good full day with somebody and be willing to take it. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you can only put so much blame on somebody else um, without trying to do what you can to, you know, to kind yeah. of doubt yourself. I know. Um, but I do. And I mean, you know, I, I've, and I've noticed Brandy, and this probably goes against a lot of what a lot of other coaches are going to say, but my uh, most effective players have, um, or a lot of them, I can't say all of them because some of them have parents that don't know, don't have any golf knowledge. But if you do have a parent that has golf knowledge, for them to be there at the lessons and just listening, um, to be a second, um, you know, to, to someone else who hears it, again, especially if they do have golf knowledge, um, you know, they can be very helpful at allowing, to, to making the um the the young lady get better quicker because um there'll be times when you're you know this you're in the middle of a lesson yeah. and you're you're trying one thing and you may not hear this other part but if you have someone else that's got that's listening to that and then you're at practice the next day and they can say hey you know what also coach you know robert said this as well and so maybe try that or you know do you remember when he said your ball position was upper back or she said this or that or the other. So if you do have a parent that has golf knowledge and is interested in and is helpful, not harmful, yes. I do think that there's an advantage to that. And I've had um, my, I've had talking about those, those players that are on tour. I know um, two of them, their, their parents were very um, golf savvy and had good golf IQs and it did help them um, get better quicker. And so I think there is something to that again, if, if the relationship is helpful, not harmful. Yes. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because a couple of things I was going to ask you about was kind of the, the advice for parents. And, and it, it's true. You know, I do think we live in a world obviously where you've got such extreme cases and, you know, everybody's trying to say, you know, less parent involvement, let the kids do, you know, mm -hmm. do their own thing and be independent, which is 100% true. You don't get to take your parents with you to, to college, but mm -hmm. they're still, you know, the, the kids are still young. They're not going to retain everything. They're not going to remember it all. They're not, you know, a second mm -hmm. eye on thing. Like I said, who, you know, can be there at uh, the lesson sometimes. Again, it's just like you said, if it's a healthy relationship and it's because mm -hmm. unfortunately you're going to have, we'll, we'll have some listeners and some parents out there who take that <laughs> And we'll all of a sudden say, I'm coming to my kid's lesson and I'm going to, you know, because I do hear exactly. like, 
you know, he takes what I say and then turns it into something else. So obviously there are always different cases, but I, I agree with my, my dad was really good about that. He knew he only knew so much about golf and, but he felt like if he could maybe just remember something that maybe I had forgotten or just a reminder here and there that, you know, Hey, you remember what, you know, what, what such and such said, or, you know, whatever it was and not be, you know, trying not to, to spin it or turn it into, you know, his thing or whatever it can, it can, because again, we, you know, while these kids are getting much more mature, we are still just talking about 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids that attention spans are so small and, you know, just their retention and understanding of things, uh, you know, it's just not always there and, and can certainly help. Mm -hmm. uh, you want them to be accountable, but the more I've done this, the more that I see that, you know, I've got some great kids that are extremely accountable and, will be very, very proactive and take the initiative. And I have ones that still need to be handheld and you don't want those kids to get left behind just because they're not there yet. I wasn't there yet at that age. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so there's definitely that balance of, of still having that accountability and, you know, and, and, and a little bit of that involvement while trying to inch your way, you know, a little bit more and more away as they get closer to those college years, which that was, you know, a couple of the questions I was going to ask was a little bit about, um, you know, some, some advice both for parents going, you know, who may have junior golfers, you know, wanting to play college golf, as well as even some of these mm -hmm. parents who are a little closer to their kids, you know, being in college and getting ready to go, you know, what, um, you know, what's some advice that they mm -hmm. can, can take uh, just to help their kids be a little mm -hmm. more prepared and, and, you know, they all have different goals. So it's not, you know, in some cases they're, you know, their kid may not be in, you know, a plan to go to a top rank, you know, golf program, but what's some, mm -hmm. And, you know, both the junior golfers and the, even the college kids in terms of their parents? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been fortunate to coach at all levels. <laughs> so I've seen every different um, handicap player. And all of them come in with um, – they, they want to get better at their sport. Um, so I think uh, just giving advice to parents um, – I would say, you know, and I'm not, I, I, you, you handle all the recruiting aspects of things, so I don't need to talk about, um, you know, recruiting yeah. at all. So um, I would say, you know, to just to make sure that they're stacking their deck. And, and what I mean by that is that, um, that, that you provide them the, the uh, if this is what they want to do, um, provide them some competition, whether, and obviously that depends on the means that you can um, afford, but they need to be competing. So if it's at either at the high school level or if it's at the state level or if it's the, the national level, um, they need to be competing so they can see, um, okay, I now have a scoring average of um, 82. I want to get my scoring average down to 78 before I um, get to school A or B. Um, then obviously, that all of this depends on the level. But then if you're going to like a, a power five school, um, you know, you're looking at I need a scoring average of around par. So right now my scoring average is 76. How can I get there? And then just constantly be in an evaluation um, mindset. So, you know, is it equipment? Is it my physical strength? Is it my um, nutrition? Is it my preparation? Is it my mindset? Is it my, um, you know, the time that I put into it? So just constantly being in an evaluation state um, and analyzing, 
your game in order to, to, to keep chiseling away that scoring average and then compete again and play again. Um, see if that scoring average is getting down. And if it is, then you're doing the right things. And if not, keep, keep evaluating. So I just think it's like anything that we do that, you know, we're trying to get good at whether it's golf or it's whether like your, you know, physical fitness or, um, you know, if it's trying to get a master's degree, you, you all start at, at an initial state um, and then just chisel away each day to, to figure out how to get that scoring average better or stronger or a little bit more fitter or to get that master's degree. So I think it's, it's a cross board in any profession that you do. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And it, it registers me as much on a business perspective with, you know, again, just what's why I just decided to launch this podcast and, and do that is always trying to think about, like I said, ways to get better, little ways without, you can have a little bit of comfort level where you get to a point and you're like, okay, this feels good. But then it's always about, all right, you know, what can I be doing to then just, you know, do something a little bit better or, you know, maybe help somebody else or whatever it might be. Um, so that's um, very good, very good insight. Well, a couple more things and then we can kind of wrap it up. Um, one thing is, is, you know, would love to hear any, you know, funny story, anything from your coaching career, even your playing day, something that, you know, just maybe stands out as just something um, embarrassing or funny or, you know, mm -hmm. something with a player, anything that you can think of um, that might just be like, um, a little more funny. Goodness, I, you know, years. I have, so, <laughs> there's always something funny going on yeah. when you're with 18 to 20 year olds. I'm and sure, I mean, I'm I sure. think the funniest, the funniest is what April Fool's joke is somebody going to pull on me each year, you know, and I think that's the funniest because each year, um, you know, they, they will, uh, the team will try to um, catch me. Now the first two or three years, I'm a slow, um, a slow learner, but um, I would be caught up in it. So, you know, I'd get a phone call and it would say, coach, I just went downstairs and every one of the, the tires has been slashed and I, you know, of course I'm like downtown somewhere and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this is true. You know? So, um, each year, the funny stories are what's going to be the April fool's joke. And, um, I think I've had one each year now. I, I actually circle my calendar with a big star, um, <laughs> that it's April 1st because, uh, some of them have been, Hey, I'm injured. Um, I just yeah, broke I my leg. I'm in the hospital. You need to come by, you know, I mean, I get them left and right. So I would say, um, you're always having, uh, with these group of young ladies, um, something funny and they're always, uh, trying to, to, uh, have a great team environment. They're these are their best friends. And, and, um, so there's always something fun going on, Brandy. Oh, I'm sure. I, like I said, that is the one thing that, that I miss a little bit on not, you know, being around for, I'm sure there's lots of up and down moments, but to get to do that, I'm sure there's so many just rewarding and, and fun moments to it when, when you got a good group of girls who especially like-minded and, and really, you know, they may not, they're not always going to get along. I think that's what I have to tell a lot of my, I've had some girls who've, you know, not wanted to play high school golf because they didn't get along with a girl or they didn't like their coach or they, you know, they didn't want to go to a particular school because they didn't like that girl. And, you know, just having to remind them that, you know, you do see this on Instagram where the teams are, you know, love each other and it's great. And, you know, that is awesome, but there are going to be some, you know, some trials and some butting heads and some personalities mm -hmm. that always mix and, and just trying to keep them together and, and make it as, you know, as fun as possible. Mm -hmm. But when you get a good team of, mm -hmm. you know, at least with a like-minded, 
you know, knowing they're all going to have a different approach to things. Um, I'm sure when you, you get as close to that as you can, it's, it's gotta be lots of fun and, and entertaining. And, and mm-hmm. I'm, I can only imagine I can remember my days in college golf, which have been way longer than, uh, than I'd like to, like I said, that's what I feel like I'm farther and farther removed from what it feels like to be in college golf, but then start talking about it and you just go back to those days yourself of, of how that was and then how much, you know, how much fun it definitely could be. Um, you know, when you're, when you're all in, especially all in some kind of little scheme together like that or something can always make some, the, the tough days a lot more fun. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I've got just one other thing that I like to just finish, finish all these out with. But before I ask you that, is there anything, um, you know, anything that we didn't talk mm-hmm. about? I mean, I could sit here and talk all day, you know, me when we run at each other at tournaments and I'm kind of sway with a lot of coaches. I can, mm-hmm. I can talk all day, especially about this stuff. Um, but, um, anything that, you know, we maybe didn't go over that you feel like you might could share, um, anything that stands out? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think to, to reiterate that, um, you know, golf is, and you know, this is, is a wonderful sport and, and for women and, and young ladies, it can just open so many doors for great memories, you know, competition, um, being with your team, um, you know, winning championships together or winning just tournaments together, um, just being in a, in a van and traveling down the road, but but it just golf in and itself provides so many opportunities for young ladies. Um, so to, for them to stay involved, um, involved, um, you know, put their goals out there and to enjoy every moment because um, golf can lead to, to some wonderful times. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, looking at what you and I are here doing and, and where it all started and, and what it get, you know, we both get to do jobs we love and, and passionate about and chance to, to give back to that, next group of girls is coming along. So that's um, definitely true. Well, you know, in the theme of this podcast, which is tap into college golf, um, want to wrap this up with, you know, just what you're standing there on the 18th green with one of your players who has, you know, a three foot putt. Um, maybe it would have been if you were caddying for Jennifer or something there at the, the mm-hmm. Augusta amateur, uh, you know, got a three mm-hmm. foot putt left to, to win a big event. What advice would you in those few moments, you know, tell that player? Have they been putting well or not? Um, let's go, let's go with this time. Let's say they haven't, let's say they've struggled. How can you okay. get them okay. to believe okay. in themselves? And maybe that that's a good, that's a good question. That does make a difference. Maybe right. they're, I mean, it's, they're right. yeah, maybe they just missed a short putt on the last hole to loot to, you okay. know, maybe lose their lead. Let's, let's, let's create that scenario. Yes. Okay. So if, they're, if they the haven't episode. been putting well, because I think there's two different, two different. True. Very good point. So if they haven't been putting well, and they've got a three footer to win, I would say, hey, you're just sitting there doing the the butterfly drill. It's a drill that we do. Hey, you're just doing the butterfly drill. Um, I want you to see where you want it to enter, and I want you to just imagine that you're doing that drill. Um, and I would just try to put them into a comfortable situation, like we have done at practice. Uh, and so that's what I would do. And I would say that, um, like you said, for good advice on the golf course, but, but in life, if you find yourself in a difficult situation, um, just visualize something different, um, something that makes you comfortable, put yourself in that situation and then roll with it. All right. Well, I, 
I appreciate, you know, you joining me for this and, and all of this insight and just getting to chat with you. Um, you know, like I said, I know a lot of parents and players don't always just get to hear about, you know, what it's like to be a college coach and, and some of the insights to it. So that's my goal with this podcast is to kind of share that a little bit and maybe not all the boring recruiting and resume and video stuff that I do a lot of, but just to um, share a little bit of the, the, the ups and downs of being a college coach and college player and, and what that's all about. And, I, I really appreciate you join, joining me for um, what's, I know, a busy time for you right now, getting ready like I said, to head to regionals. And I wish y'all the best of luck at regionals coming up. Y'all are headed to Oklahoma. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So best of luck there and hope y'all can finish it out and then head on to nationals from that point on. And so good luck in that postseason play. And again, thanks for joining. And I hope to see you out sometime soon out on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and thanks, Brandy, for uh, all you do for uh, for junior golf. Um, you're a great resource, and uh, we really appreciate all you do. And oh, I always have to say, go Deeks. All right. Well, we we know that I have to throw in my good palate, I guess, if that's the case. Of course, I'm supporting all these coaches, but obviously, my heart. Lady Paladin. So, but again, and you know, thanks for all of you for joining in on this episode, and we'll see you next time on Tap Into College Golf. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Tap Into College Golf. For more information, you can visit www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at bjacksongolf. See you next time.